Welcome back to Be Right. I'm Alex Myers. As always, I'm joined by Stephen Hennessy, Christopher Powers. Uh, guys, I know you have a, a great chat coming up with Dylan Wu coming off a, uh, a nice T30 there at the Honda Classic. He's going to fill us in uh, on that tournament. Obviously, there was a little more drama on Sunday than we were expecting, thanks to Daniel Berger, uh, who I did jump on through the midway point, unfortunately, I hate to say, I got suckered in. I mean, we guys, last week, we talked about how this was the Honda Classic. It wasn't a great field. We weren't going to make that many bets. I ended up making like the most bets I've made all year. <laughs> Only one that hit was Bill Haas, top 40. Thank you, Bill. Come Your boy. How'd you guys pan out? Uh, I know I know it wasn't wasn't the, we, we, we had been on a nice streak. We kind of cooled off uh, in the bear trap. CP, you're the one on the hot streak. Yeah, I was on Chris Kirk outright. Um, that would have been a really nice continuation of the hot streak. I did bet him top 10, which he almost blew. I know um, if everyone was watching down the stretch, he uh, he played his little patented draw on 15 and came up, you know, 10 yards short. And all of a sudden I was sweating the top 10, but he birdied 18 um, to kind of jump up to sixth. So it wasn't a great week, but it was nice to get something out of it. So thanks to Chris Kirk for that. I'm I'm kind of happy that Chris Kirk didn't win because every time you bet him, I bet him. And for some reason I didn't last week. I, I mean, I would have been thrilled for you, you know, three in a row, stay hot, good for the brand, all that. But I would have had major FOMO again. Um, so it was not a good week for me. Uh, I paid Bet365 a lot of money. Uh, Kepka, Mitchell, Mito, I was suckered in all those promos. Um, Kepka looked good. Um, I was also on Horschel. He looked good to start. All, all four of those guys were in the mix um, until none of them were. So, yeah, just uh, sat on the sidelines and, and watched Sepp Straka, who I bet first-round leader, talked oh. about him on the podcast. Incredible. Um, so, you know, it's I think it's time for me to reevaluate my process a little bit. You know, I'm identifying these guys who are – playing well. I mean, same thing with Luke List, like he was popping my model, Tom Hoagie at Pebble popping in my model. And I just thought to myself, these guys are losers. They don't win golf tournaments and then they go and win. Yep. So, I mean, I don't know. I mean, it's kind of the same thing with Seb Straka, like not to call him a loser, but like he's never done it before, but he's never really been in that position and he got it done really impressively. So I was wrong to think like that. So, um, so I, I, I feel like after some reevaluation, I think my problem is that, you know, I have this thought of these players over the years, like obviously we've been following the PGA tour for very long. And like, you know, we've seen Luke Liss come close a lot. We've seen Tom Hoagie come close a lot. So you don't bet them, but it's 2022. These guys are different players than they were six months ago. So I'm forgetting, but I'm trying to throw out all the, the mental, um, all the mental stuff that's blocking me from betting these winners. And uh, I'm not going to miss going forward. That's how deep. that's going to work. This is deep stuff. Very deep. See? I, 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 about this. You should regret nothing. And I, I regret nothing about Kepka. He was all over the flag, hitting every green, could yeah. not make a putt. I mean, and it wasn't like he was putting bad. He was all over the hole. It's just sometimes they don't fall. You yeah. know, if half of the putts fall. He's right there with Berger. I mean, 26 to one at, in that field, that's an auto bet every time. I make that bet every single day of the week. So um, he's got a aim point. He that's enough with the aim point. Enough with works. the aim point. I saw you tweeting about that. Yeah, I, it's the aim point is one of the most frustrating things because, like, you see a guy <laughs> like Adam Scott do it, and like when they make the putt, you're like, all right. But when they miss, like, a, it just makes it even worse. Yeah. You're like, and it takes. I'm su- I'm stunned by him, Mister. I get up to the ball and hit it yeah. right away. Um, to for him to do that. You know, and Dustin takes a while on the greens too. I yep. think they they feel they can take their time because they make it up elsewhere, which fair enough or whatever. Right, right. But I don't know. I'm surprised that he, you know, he would be he's the type of guy, like I just said, right. get up to the ball and hit it. That's kind of his philosophy. So I'm kind oh, of right. That clip that went viral was Brian Stewart oh, doing the turn 13 times. And then you know what Brooks deserved the steps in the what? Brooks deserved to, deserved to play with him for the yeah. aim. But like in that same clip, Brooks then just steps in there and hits like instantly. But you're right. It's weird that he would do something slow. I mean, but, we, you know, we talked about Cantley. All these guys do something. Cantley with the shuffling. 
Burger. Yeah, you know, burger. Yeah. Every time they flip to him, you're like, okay, he's going to punt. And then he steps away. He has the caddy line him up. I mean, that, come on, guys. It's ridiculous. You're one of the best yeah. players in the world. Like, oh, he, he hasn't been doing that his whole career. He started doing that so. after they changed the rule to where you couldn't. You I know he steps out him. and the caddy gets away. Right. But I don't know. If you fall asleep one one time, you're going to get penalized. I'm surprised uh, he does that too. Yeah. I just, it's too, it, it, was, it was awful. They too. thought taking the, the green reading books away was going to speed up play, but right. I, don't, I don't think that's really done that yeah. yet. That was tough to watch, even just having something on him and watching that collapse and him putting. He didn't make a putt longer than like 25 inches or something on the last. Well, I mean, it was like yep. unbelievable. He did not make, he chipped in twice. I mean, chipped twice, pulled the bunker shot and he blows his five shot lead it's like it's impossible to do it should be impossible impossible. yeah i couldn't believe it anyway well we move on um let's have a chat unfortunately i I couldn't be around i'm 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 up at this uh golf the golf performance center starting a 12-week journey into hopefully you know getting a little better with the game getting a little better fitness we'll see about that my fitness scores were so bad i can't even like I don't even think, I think they were like holding back, telling me just how bad yeah, it, they do the, the first assessment, right. To yeah. see like your baseline. And, yeah. And it it's smart even, to set your baseline low. Cause then you can always go, you know, we're, we're in the off season. I haven't been playing. I haven't been doing anything because my treadmill's even broken. It's like, I'm coming in at like the bottom of the bottom, yep. but hopefully there'll be room to improve. That's the silver lining. Unfortunately, I couldn't be around to chat with Dylan Whoop. Steve and Chris did have a listen to our chat with Dylan Whoop. We're joined now by Dylan Wu, who's joining us from Puerto Rico. He's teeing it up in this week's Puerto Rico Open. And he just played in the Seminole Pro Member yesterday. So we got a bunch to talk about with Dylan, who's a name I'm sure most of our listeners are familiar with. Stellar amateur golfer, PGA Tour rookie, and he's coming off a good finish at the Honda too. Dylan's joining us today on behalf of his partnership with My Fitness Pal. Dylan, thank you so much for joining us. No, thanks for having me. It's a pleasure. Sweet. Well, you know, mentioned you played in the, the Seminole uh, Pro Member yesterday. We were talking a little bit about it uh, before we went live. Just tell us about the experience. Um, you know, Tom Brady was there playing with Louis Oosthuizen. Patrick Cantlay, I saw, uh, ended up getting the win. But t- talk about your experience out there. Yeah, I mean, it's my first time playing Seminole. Um, a Northwest, I was paired, paired with Luke Donald and right. Eric Leacher, who is a Northwestern alumni. So ah. He donated the our indoor facility is named after him. He's a great guy, great supporter. So I played with him. And then my partner was Davis Cessna, a guy I played with uh, in the Corn Ferry BMW charity program. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of how I met him. And then we've stayed in touch uh, ever since. And yeah, it was great to play out there. I mean, it's crazy. Like the Honda Classic was fun to play in, but the field at the Seminole Pro member was like better than the Honda. You had like five of the top 10 players in the world. Like Rory was playing. Uh, Cantley and Rom um, were we were the first off the second wave. So our last nine, our first nine holes, we were playing behind Rom and, and Cantley, and um, yeah, Tom Brady's a member. I mean, it's just cool to see like all the all the big names that come just for one day to play this course in a in a pro member. So course is amazing. I mean, one of my favorite courses I've ever played. Probably the best course I played in Florida. And yeah, it was just a great day, great weather, great company, and yeah, hard to beat. Yeah. What's the um what's the vibe like? Are you guys like grinding away in that thing or is it more of a laid back, you know, guys wearing shorts, just enjoying the day kind of deal? It's more just enjoying the day. I mean, it's kind of a pretty cool just club when you get out there. I mean, it's a course you can see literally every hole, no matter where you are on property, which is really unique. You could be on the nine it's like ninety-eight acres of property and you can see like a couple miles across, which is really unique versus like some courses you just have like hole by hole and we had a great time um playing with me and luke played a couple times being northwestern alumni and then me turning pro and i played with them in college a couple times so we just had a great time i mean i don't think you're invited there just to to grind it out and and be super serious it's a it's a fun time there and i think everybody has a good is there just to play some good golf and have have a good fun and and play an amazing golf course and just have a good day and that's that's kind of what it was do you have any uh, moments where, I don't know if you like rub shoulders with someone you're like, oh my God, like that's, you know, Mike Davis or whomever where you're like, man, I, you know, it's, it's crazy that I'm here right now. Obviously, you know, you're no stranger to these big events, but um, any moments like that where, you know, you just kind of pinch yourself a little bit? 
I didn't really have any moments yesterday. I didn't get to see Tom. I mean, that's the one guy I wanted yeah. to see was Tom Brady. I mean, I saw some USGA officials, um, Spider Miller, mm-hmm. um, Walker Cup captain, yeah. Mike Davis was out there yesterday. I mean, all the all the members out there are super nice guys, really accomplished people, and it's kind of just a, a really cool hang. Um, and I, it was just it was just fun to be a part of. I definitely want to be a part of it for a long time in the future. And talking about, um, you played with Luke Donald yesterday, um, Matt Fitzpatrick. There's all these guys that <clears throat> went to Northwestern. You guys have like a decent little golf program. My question is, why Northwestern? I mean, it's freezing yeah. cold around there. How do you got? How did you guys build this program in, into kind of what it's become? Yeah, I mean, I grew up in Southern Oregon. I mean, I thought I was going to be on the West Coast for a while, and then had my best visit at Northwestern. Um, I wanted to go to a great academic school as well as a great athletic school, and Kind of my head coach there, Pat Doss, was kind of the biggest reason I went there. He's been there for, I think, this is his 25th year as head coach and maybe the 30th year as being a, a coach at Northwestern. Um, just a really great coach, um, great short game coach. I mean, Coach Luke Donald and took him to number one in the world. And there's, yeah, I mean, I kind of told myself when I was uh, in the recruiting process and especially when I got to college that, um, Pat told me that he based his success as a coach on how I developed as a player. Not many coaches in college golf can really like coach you and make you better. They kind of like your team manager, um, manage everything. So I told myself that if I really want to play golf in the next level, I want to develop my skills. And, and Pat's still my short game coach and um, wedge game putting. And he's just been, I mean, invaluable to me. He's been so good to me and helpful. And um, honestly, like it's freezing cold in the winter. But we have a great indoor facility uh, named after Eric Leacher, the member I was also playing with at, at Seminole. Um, it's just, uh, for me in the wintertime, it felt easier for me to actually like work on improvements and improve my game when I wasn't focused on where the ball was going and focusing on like immediate feedback. Whereas when you're practicing indoors, you can kind of focus on the process of getting better. And that's how I kind of um, embrace the process. My four years at Northwestern, other guys need to be playing I mean, in the sun and everything, like pro golf now. I mean, I live in Scottsdale. Like, I got to be outside all year round. Mm-hmm. But um, that's kind of felt how I felt like I got better at Northwestern. And then I think, yeah, our coaches were great. And, yeah, for some reason, we have, like, four or five guys on tour, which is not too bad. No, it's not Georgia, but, I mean, it's pretty good for <laughs> Northwestern. For the Big Ten and for a, a cold school outside Chicago, pretty impressive. Um, and Luke Donald, I mean, you know, rose to number one in the world. I mean, you know, a legend in the game, what are some things maybe you've learned from him too, uh, you know, just from all the time that you've spent with him? Yeah, Luke's been super great. Been probably one of the most supportive alumni uh, on tour to their alma mater. Um, I remember playing with him my freshman, sophomore year. And he was still, I mean, this is when he was at the top of his game and just a super nice guy. I mean, his short game's unreal. His wedge game, bunker play, putting, just, it's just unreal. Like he can, hit like the spinniest shots possible and you just make short game look really easy when especially the time like when you're playing at Seminole or places in Florida where it's super grainy super Bermuda super tight like chipping becomes very very hard and he makes it look very easy so and it just he's just been great um giving me advice and just just being a person I can I could ask a few questions to especially as being a rookie I mean that's all I all I'm trying to do is just trying to learn from the guys that have had a lot of success and just try to get better and yeah, he's been he's a super nice guy and yeah. Hard hard yeah, hard to beat. He's 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 great. So on the PJ tour, we talk about guys like Sung Jay all the time, Patrick Reed. They play a million a million weeks in a row. I went and checked, you played 44 events on the Corn Ferry tour last year. Well, what did you feel like at the end of the season? Oh, yeah. So, yeah, so that was technically uh so it was 44 because it was a combined combined I mean, season right. with the okay, year, right. the year before. So I played like 21 and 22. Which is still a lot. I mean, the year before, actually, the year before on the corn ferry, when I first got on in 2019, I had conditional status and then I got into a tournament and finished runner up. Right. And then I played 12 weeks in a row, I think. And I can tell you, 12 weeks in a row, I will never do again. I mean, even on the PJ tour now, I remember the, the four weeks I played on the West Coast, I was exhausted. And like, honestly, when you're playing so many weeks in a row, you get to the course, you're just, you get tired. You, I mean, it's hard to actually practice when you're actually at tournaments because you're wanting to make sure you're prepared for the tournament, be ready on Thursday. Right. So 
you can't really grind as much. And if you're grinding on your like six week in a row, like you're too tired. So like, that's why guys on the PGA tour, I think most guys will play three max, maybe four max. Um, luckily the swings on the PGA tour are a lot easier with travel. Um, but I can tell you, yeah, I mean, corn is a little more of a grind than the PGA tour, the PGA tour logistically with all the travel and everything is a lot easier. Well, I think that's a good segue to a question about my fitness pal playing 12 weeks in a row. Um, you know, now, now that you're on PGA tour, um, you know, I'm sure your fitness regimen and, you know, your approach to nutrition and all that has adapted quite a bit, uh, from, from those earlier days, uh, playing, you know, mini tours and then, uh, corn Ferry. So just take us through, you know, maybe how you've adapted your, um, your nutrition and, and that sort of regimen as opposed to, you know, looking back a couple of years ago. For sure. I mean, back in college, you're kind of, you can kind of eat what you want a little right. bit. And I mean, you have trainers and stuff like that to tell you what to eat. But honestly, when you're, when you're treating this like a job, like I am with my profession in golf, like eating healthy, keeping my body healthy. Um, it's just such a, it's just such a huge deal. I mean, you might not think it has any effect on your golf game, but it, it definitely, definitely does. Um, so for me using I mean, my partnership with my fitness pal has been great. I mean, to keep track of what I eat on the road and also my exercises has been a, a huge thing for me, just cause I think you're seeing golfers nowadays, the best golfers in the world. I mean, the best golfers in the world are usually pretty good athletes. Um, see DJ Rory. I mean, yeah. they're not guys from say 20 or 30 years ago. Right. I mean, golfers, I mean, yeah, we're, we're the better, the better athlete you are, the probably better golf, better chance of a golfer you're going to be. And for me on the road, I mean, you're constantly staying in hotels, you might be eating out. Um, luckily I feel like it's weird. I feel like when I'm on the road, I actually eat healthier hmm. than I do when I'm at home because I'm a big foodie and I like to try a lot of different things, but when I'm on the road, like make sure I eat a lot of greens, eat healthy, eat clean, just because especially, especially like late at night, um, right. say I'm playing early the next morning, uh, get something quick and make sure, just making sure that my, my health and nutrition isn't the thing that's affecting my, my golf game. If, if it, cause I mean, if I'm eating bad, it could just be another reason why you aren't performing as well. Right. And my fat, my fitness pal has been great. I mean, I can track, um, I can put all my exercises in there. Um, when I'm at the gym doing a bunch of workouts and also if I walk 18 holes and say humidity here in Puerto Rico, how many calories I'm burning just to know how like, how I feel like golfers on the road, especially this time of year, we're always playing in warm places. So a lot of guys lose a lot of weight or they lose like five or six pounds of muscle. So using my fed spell has been great to see how many calories I need to actually eat to just to offset the calories I burn throughout the day. Yeah. Um, Cause you're, you're out in the sun, like, eight nine hours especially during practice rounds and stuff like that and prepping so it's been a, a huge asset for me um and just really just really easy for for me to use and yeah they've been great to me yeah i feel like average golfers could also benefit from that you know when, when we go on golf trips or just travel in general it's a lot of junk food um eating at you know bad times of the day now, i'm curious too i mean for you, you know, being at Seminole, I'm sure there's an amazing food spread, you know, it would be tough for Chris and I, um, you know, to resist kind of going ham on a, a spread like that. So how do you kind of like balance that? Do you treat yourself and, you know, uh, have a little cheat meal or, you know, how do you treat something like that? Yeah. I think the only thing I do, if I do have like a cheat meal is like, I don't really eat like, say there's like fried chicken. I probably won't eat the fried chicken, especially before I'm going to play it all. Right. but I might have like a cookie or something okay. or like the dessert. I'm more of a dessert guy when I've, I've been realizing like versus eating something like super fried and like maybe that's going to make you feel sluggish just because that's versus like a, a little more sugar versus True. like just fried fat basically. <laughs> um, yeah, it's just, yeah. I mean, at Seminole, I mean, I didn't, didn't really indulge too much. I mean, like after the round had like some charcuterie board stuff and some, and some, some vegetables and stuff like that. But, Honestly, on the road, even even though Sunday night and Mondays are like kind of my Friday Friday nights for me, when you're playing the next week, you can't really do too much, or else you kind of feel like you're getting behind a little bit. Um, the biggest thing I like my advice to like normal people who just want to like 
feel better when they're going to the golf course. Like I travel with a foam roller. I mean, I think that's the biggest thing or like a hypervolt or like a massage gun, just to make sure your body's feeling good. You're speaking our language drinking, now. Yeah. Drinking lots of water. Um, I travel with bands at TRX. I mean, just small stuff. I think the biggest thing with golf is like mobility is such a big thing. Luckily we're playing in a lot of warm places, but a lot of guys, a lot of people don't have the luxury. They might be sitting in a chair for eight, nine hours. And then if they hit balls indoors, like their hips are going to be tight. So like just range of motion is probably the biggest thing. I mean, you see guys like, I mean, say Justin Thomas, like yesterday, he's somebody that hits it super far for his size. Like you don't have to be super jacked to hit the ball far. You don't have to be like Bryson. You can be like Bryson, but you could just have, there's some guys like Tony Finau and Justin Thomas who hit it plenty far. Um, just being hyper mobile nice. and yeah i mean i think just nutrient i mean i think you see the best the best athletes who are winning and stuff like that most of the guys at least try to eat pretty healthy and mm-hmm. and i think if they're not working out or focusing on nutrition they're kind of lacking behind because i think all athletes on across all sports are doing that nowadays yeah for sure still still pretty early in your pga tour career anything um you've learned about yourself anything unexpected or, or is it kind of you know what you've expected so far? Uh, I'd say it's kind of what I expected so far. Um, I feel like for me, if I had to evaluate where I am so far, I think I played nine events. Um, I made six cuts. I feel like my game's really close, especially last week at the Honda. I mean, basically one or two swings from finishing in the top 10. Um, it's just a brutal golf course. I mean, it, it destroys you. I mean, you should, it's crazy. Like, like cuts two over par. And if you shoot one under one under on the weekend, you almost have a top 10. I mean, right. you shoot even par, I mean, even par and people don't think like a U.S. opens in Florida, but like PJ national is basically like that. And a lot of guys sometimes skip the Honda because they just don't want to get beat up too badly. Um, but overall, my season's been great. I've made six cuts. I mean, um, I feel really close. I haven't felt like I've played as well on the weekend or finished out tournaments as well as I should have. Um, but I mean, people always say it's better to play more poorly on Sunday versus Friday and playing more weekends just gives you a lot more experience. So I'm just, just trying to focus on getting better and make sure I'm prepared um, every week. And honestly, the biggest thing is getting comfortable. I mean, last week at the bear, at the bear trap, uh, like 15 and 17 with all those fans, 17 is pretty cool. Um, But they're very demanding golf shots. I mean, I live in Scottsdale. I never got to play the waste yet, but 16 is a lot simpler of a golf hole and there's no wind in Scottsdale really. So even though there's a bunch of fans and everything, you just kind of have to get comfortable. And I, I thought um, the way I handled last week and kind of the environment was really, really cool. To, and just basically a tournament I could put under my belt with, with more people. And that's, that's the one thing, I mean, you live for and play for is to, is to play in front of the big crowds and, and perform at the best and, and kind of just kind of embrace the environment um, and have fun with it. And yeah, this year has been great. So I'm hoping to just keep on, just keep on trying to get better and, have some good results this week in Puerto Rico is a great opportunity opposite field event. I mean, you could be bummed that you're not playing Bay Hill, but I mean, they're still giving a lot of points and the winner of this tournament doesn't get in the masters, but they're uh, fully exempt on the PGA tour for two years. And um, when you look at the field on paper, like it's just a great chance for a rookie or some, somebody new on tour to, to have a chance to win. What would you say is one of your strengths or what, what kind of setup, um, would you say favors your game the most? You know, it looks like your short game. I think you're uh, in the top 50 for strokes game putting right now. Um, so do you prefer kind of that shorter, tougher setup at a, at a Honda classic or, um, you know, is there a certain type of course you think that suits your game? Yeah. I mean, traditionally I do like tougher courses that I just think tougher courses make sure, make you have to control your golf ball more. Mm-hmm. not more much of a shootout but i mean when i won on the corn Ferry this past summer i shot 27 under on a course like that's a shootout right. so like you kind of just have to adapt i mean for me i think my formula to play well is um i think the one thing i didn't haven't done as well i, I did well last week was drive the ball um my driving accuracy hasn't been as great i think last week i was like t6 or t7 and driving accuracy and for me i usually drive the ball pretty straight i hit it about average maybe a little past average um so for me to put the ball in the fairway. That's kind of like my biggest goal. Um, I'm pretty, I'm a decent ball striker, pretty much pretty decent all, all the, all the way around. And then right. of course, when you're playing well, I mean, when the putter gets hot, I mean, it's hard to not win to be at the top of the leaderboard putting bad. You just have to hit the ball so good to do that. Um, so that's kind of my formula. That's the biggest thing I'm working on right now is just as long as I can put the ball in the fairway and, um, 
just, yeah, maybe have a little more strokes gain off the tee. Um, I feel like that's kind of just the, the biggest precursor for me to have success that week. Um, and I, I think the scores here in Puerto Rico, I mean, most of the times we play outside the country, it's pretty windy. Right. Um, so you have to have that control of the golf ball, but when it's not windy, it's, it's pretty scorable. So I, I mean, I played in the Bahamas last year on the corn ferry. I liked it. I mean, most of the time when I play in tropical places, I, I enjoy it. I mean, it's hard to have a bad time when you're in, in these nice places. So, um, yeah, so I'm looking for, looking forward to a great week here. I meant to ask you about that price cutter when you shoot seven under 65 on Sunday. And you, and you still only win by two. What was that like mentally? That guy's just like breathing down your neck. I think he shot 10 under whoever it was like yeah. that has to be yeah. suffocating. Oh, hundred percent. I mean, my buddy, so I was tied for the lead at 20 under going into the last round, played the first nine holes and five under. And then there was like a two hour rain delay. I'm like, great. <laughs> two hour rain delay. This is not what I need right now. Jeez. So I have like, a, I think I have a five shot lead at 25 under or maybe a four shot lead or something. And then I'm playing the first couple of holes after the restart. I make a birdie on my second hole. So I'm at 2,600. And I see the leaderboard like on 13. And I'm like, I only have a three-shot lead. Like, where's this guy coming from? It's my buddy, Taylor Moore. He just won the week beforehand at Springfield, Illinois. Sure. And he's a great player. Um, but, I mean, yeah, it just shows like I think in professional golf, especially on the corn ferry, when you're playing kind of easy courses where the scores are low, you just kind of have to keep the gas on the pedal because somebody is always going to be be shooting, down, shooting at pins. And we have greens that are – soft but the greens are rolling good like it's just a premium for scoring um for tour players so yeah that wasn't that wasn't the easiest i mean i'd rather just had that kind of coasted in but honestly like playing under that pressure and having to to go low like that it was definitely um a great experience for me and something i can keep under my belt for future future experiences so no really proud of that moment so pj tour profile page says you you're a pretty good hockey player in high school is that correct yeah, so my I'm the oldest of four, and my two younger brothers are twins. Um, one of them's catting for me, and all three of us played ice, ice hockey since the age of five. Um, I stopped playing travel at basically 16, just because I loved golf a little more. But my brothers play travel hockey. I mean, we, I still play high school hockey, but we were pretty good, um, especially like younger, medium. I mean, like when we were at 13 to 14, um, as as a great way. I loved hockey. I mean, team sport. I mean great distraction away from golf and to kind of take a break from golf in the wintertime. And honestly, you can get your, you can't really get away with being angry on the golf course. It kind of backfires, but you can kind of take your anger on the, on, on the ice rink a little, a little easier. So no, I loved it. And it was great. So um, definitely miss playing ice hockey, but definitely. Do you still, do you still get to, you still lace them up every now and then, or is that every now, every now and then, every now and then. It's, it's still really cool. It's kind of like riding. I mean, it's like riding a bike when you yeah. get, get back out there. I mean, I feel like if I want to do it, I haven't put pads on in a while. Actually, like PGA Tour Entertainment this past year, they asked me to do like, oh, yeah, you go, let's, let's shoot like a day in your life. And like, right. let's go put pads and go hockey. I'm like, play, play a hockey. I'm like, I haven't done this in like four years, but sure, let's do this. So they, we were basically rented out like an hour of ice at this rink. And it's basically me just skating around shooting and everything most fun to put pads on and everything it was just exhausting because i haven't done it in a while yeah that's a good workout uh well you and chris would be able to talk hockey for like an hour so i'm gonna wrap this uh so you can pick back up uh getting ready for the puerto rico open this week dylan thanks so much for joining us um on behalf of my fitness pal appreciate you taking the time and best of luck this week and the rest of the season thank you guys i appreciate it yeah really enjoyed it Thanks a lot to Dylan for joining us. We wish him good luck in Puerto Rico. It's one of the rare weeks where we're actually going to maybe talk about two different tournaments here, uh, get some bets on both. But we will start, of course, with the Arnold Palmer Invitational. Steve Bayhill, it's one of those courses that I think a lot of fans are semi-familiar with, but uh, what, what, should be, what should we be looking for this week? Yeah, another tough test just like last week, but maybe in a little different way. I think more emphasis on driving. Um, it's long uh over 7450 yards par 72 is the ninth toughest course on tour last year and what we always see is the rough here really thick um i think arnold palmer had the comment that he wanted bay hill to play like a u.s open off the tee but augusta on and around the greens and you know that's what you see there's a lot of thick rough and really tough driving holes 
um, you know, that thick rough off the fairway, but then he created uh, some runoffs and shaved off areas around the green. So kind of like Augusta in that way, but um, the accuracies, I think very important. Um, I've seen some videos already this week, the rough being really thick, like it always is. And the other thing is it plays firm and fast usually too. Um, so it's tough to keep the ball in the fairway. Um, nine of the 18 holes have water. Um, so, you know, you're going to find trouble in addition to the rough and, you know, there, there's big green. I think the greens are, um, just over 7,000 square feet on average, but, um, you know, you're coming in from the rough and, you know, with an approach of like 170, 180 yards, you're not going to hit a lot of greens. So scrambling again, uh, sand play important, but, you know, I think the biggest thing to scoring well here is going to be the par fives. That's, that's really the chance to to score. That's what we see year after year. Three of the par fives are in that 550, 600 yard range. Uh, so I'm looking at that on fantasy national. And then the par threes are really tough, you know, kind of like all these Florida courses. Um, three of them are over 200 yards. So you're hoping to play those even par the par fours are tough, um, but take advantage of the par fives as, as best you can. And the greens are, you know, they're a challenge too. Um, you know, last year Bryson won and, you know, everyone thinks about, that crazy drive he had on the sixth hole, but he was first in strokes game putting. Um, mm. You know, seems like people forget about that when Bryson wins. Right. You know, he, he's an elite putter too. Um, so that's kind of what I'm looking at. Uh, Want to pull up quickly this strokes gain um, total on uh, Florida courses. I, I feel like it's worth looking at. Um, I'll just do the top five. The last 50 rounds in this field, we got. Rory, number one, obviously, we've seen him play so well at Bay Hill in the past one here. Um, Jay Day, number two, interesting. Um, Sung J M, he's third. He's kind of owned this tournament um, and the Honda the last few years. Uh, and then Paul Casey, fourth. He's interesting this week. He's kind of coming in under the radar, I think. Some good finishes, 15th at Riv. Um, and then Tommy Fleetwood, uh, fifth, you know, always seems to play well. In Florida, was close at the Honda a couple of years ago. Also, some good finishes at Bay Hill. So, that's enough rambling for me. That's that's what I'm looking at. That yeah. Well, well, I'm sure we'll mention Sung J M. Uh, he killed me in that uh, Survivor Cut league that I'm in. Right. I, I'm now down to the last uh, with a couple other people. I'm down. We had to buy back in for the last time. Such a sucker play, but these other guys already did it. Huh. But anyway, I mean, how many, how many guys are in that? Well, I mean, I'm partnered up with two guys. Oh, okay. It's so random. I, I don't even know. It's this other guy who's actually in it, but I know the pot now is over 20 grand. Oh my God. What so, was the buy-in, if you don't mind me asking? No, yeah. The, the buy-in was like 50 per entry, but then the oh, buy okay. back is 200. Wow. So we've done that twice. Mm. Um, and so Itch. now, so we still have two entries but we have no more buybacks left. Not that I would want to buy back anymore, but we, um, yeah. And we almost lost both guys last week because Billy Horschel barely made the cut, but yeah, it took, you know, two of the favorites. Sung J M was a 10 to one favorite, missed the cut. Yep. Um, so that's tough. It's a tough one. Um, but anyway, we're still alive technically. So let's get into some odds here. I'm looking at DraftKings here. No surprise. John Rahm is the favorite plus 750 followed by Roy McIlroy. We know how much success he's had here in the past 10 to one Scotty Scheffler, 16 to one Victor Hovland, 18 to one. And then Matthew Fitzpatrick, who I would have, I was thinking, man, he's going to be a nice pick this week. He's 20 to one. I mean, he's one of the favorites. That's kind of crazy. You guys never won on the PGA tour yet. Then Sung Jm, who we just were talking about 22 to one. And then two other guys at 25 to one Hideki Matsuyama and Wills Torres. So CP, um, you know, I, Am I crazy with Matthew Fitzpatrick here? I mean, the 20 to, you know, it's, he seems like a great play. We know he plays well. And when the wind picks up, he's done well at this tournament in, in Florida, but he's been hitting the ball great. But 20 to one just seems pretty steep. He's been hot. I mean, we were all, I, I know Steve and I were going to be on him at Riviera and yeah, you know, he tried to fade him with some some nice information, but then he withdrew. But uh... after uh, after Danny's, Danny, you know, gave him food poisoning from whatever food he was feeding him at his house. And I have a benefit. I'm not a pick that we can survive. Yeah. Luckily, I was able to switch him out before yeah, the We got that inside info. <laughs> I'm not a I'm not a Fitzpatrick better, but I did at waste management and I was ready to do it again at Riviera just because he's been playing so well. And it does seem like he's reached the point now where he's he's been in contention enough times where 
like a Scheffler, like, uh, you know, whoever else recently has kind of got the monkey off their back. Um, seems to be the common theme, Matt Stafford and the Super Bowl, all that. So uh, Fitzpatrick seems to be that next guy, and he has such a good history here. And I know uh, Steve was mentioning, I think Bryson's win last year gives people this idea that it's like a bomber's course. But Tiger's won here eight times, and he's like the greatest tactician ever. And I think that's why you see Fitzpatrick play well here. We saw Hatton win here at four under. Like, you still got to plod your way around this course a little bit. Um, like Steve said, it's kind of a U.S. Open-esque. But I'm not on Fitzpatrick, like like you said, Myers. That that uh, I would have loved like a 40 to one. You yeah, know, and sure. After he had to withdraw, maybe a little yeah. illness, you know, whatever. But uh they're giving him the respect I guess he's kind of earned here at, at Bay Hill. I'm seeing a 31, um, but yeah, I was okay. hoping for like a 40, and then I probably would have pulled the trigger because you make a good point, CP, about this being a plotter's course. Perfect for fits. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I, I told myself I'm probably going to bet Sungjae, who I'm sure you're on, CP. Um, yeah, I haven't done it yet, but I don't know. The more we talk about fits, I might pivot and go fits. But Sungjae, I mean, obviously a lot of good reasons to bet him. He missed the cut, as Myers said last week. But we see this all the time with guys who miss the cut. They come back strong. Place he loves. Um, and I saw his uh, strokes gain off the tee stats specifically here uh, at Bay Hill in the past. I mean, he's been in the top five every year he's played here. It, it's, mm. it's insane. Um, so I got a decision to make. I think I'm not been any of the other top guys. Uh, it's a little too short for me. Um, I think uh, I think even fading Rom in DFS is interesting. Rick Gaiman made that good point in our DFS post on the site today. Um, he's just not putting well at all. Um, it seems to be the difference with Rom right now. So going to re relax on that. Probably go with Rory at the top of the board. Um, Hideki too. Hideki's got some decent history here. Um, but yeah, that's kind of how I see the top of the board shaking out. Yeah. Um, all right. Let's get to the next guys. And, 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 you know, Zalator is another guy I would think about, but I, I, I said, yeah. I'm never betting him again. So I can't, I can't <laughs> bet him like three weeks later. Uh, Mark Leishman, 28 to one, Tyrrell Hatton, 28 to one, Paul Casey, 35, Adam Scott, 35, uh, Russell Henley, 40 and uh, Max Homa, Keith Mitchell, uh, Billy Ho, those guys are in the 45, 50 range. Uh, Sam Burns, 50 to one. Interesting. Koprak, 51. And Fleetwood, who we mentioned before, also in that 50 to one range. Uh, that's interesting, Steve, considering, you know, how well, obviously, he's played in Florida. Yeah, this, this range is loaded. Um, it's tough not to make a, a bunch of bets in this range for me. Um, Leishman was someone at first glance, this number was, was too short. Um, I wouldn't have considered it. But I did my modeling and everything like that on Fantasy National, and he comes out as second uh, mm. in my model, which is crazy. The only thing he's not doing well is scoring on par fives in this range. But, you know, I feel like you see this with him at Torrey Pines. Like, he's just like a friggin' big, strong man, Leishman. Like, he could just chop it out of there. Um, and he's playing some good golf. So, you know, he loves Bay Hill. Yeah, I'm, I'm tempted to do it with Leishman. He'll definitely be a DFS play. Um, and then I think Keith Mitchell, um, again, I haven't bet it yet, but I'm going to uh, 41 to one. It, it sounds like I'm taking crazy pills saying I'm betting Keith Mitchell at 41 to one in a field like this, but, mm. you know, coming off a really hot Sunday the ball striking was really good. He just lost over a stroke and a half around the greens otherwise you know he would have been up there with his buddy Sepp Strzok a fellow Georgia Bulldog so you know I don't know if that motivates him I, that's just like a narrative play I just think you know off the tee game just everything's kind of clicking for Keith Mitchell and I'm I'm probably willing to to pay up the 41 41 to 1 on him uh, on an outright and you know top 10 top 20 I think those are good bets DFS too um so I, I feel like that's it. As Sam Burns, as you guys know, I was tempted by that yesterday. I placed the bet. I might uh, cash it out <laughs> because the more, I don't know, the more I look at the stats, like he's been really struggling um, the, the first couple of tournaments of the year. So I don't know if something's going on, but then it's one of those situations, like if Burns does go on and win, like 
I'm gonna. Oh, that'd be that'd be brutal. The pre cash out. Yeah, yeah I, I can't. To, I can't do that. Let it ride. With yeah. how brutal my betting has been yeah. the last couple of weeks. So. Yeah, CP, we had that. You know, damn good. I'm guessing dog. everything. Sepp Straka. <laughs> Sepp Straka winning. Keith Mitchell was there. It was a touching moment between those two mm. Georgia Bulldogs. Uh, your boy Chris Kirk. I mean, hey, next. Why don't, why don't you go right back to him? He's seven. I am. Then. All right, tell us. Went right back to him, 80 to one on bet 365. Nice. Um, hopped, hopped all over that today. Each weighed it. I might go top 10 again. He cashed that top 10 last week. I don't know. I don't think I, it's not the time to kind of jump off the train right now. He took, the, he took the week off in between, what was it, waste management? He took Riviera off. So I think he was kind of gearing up for this section of the schedule this season to kind of maybe pick off that elusive fifth win. It's been seven years now since he won he was like a little bit of a prolific winner on the on the pga for a stretch there made the president's cup team i believe won a fedex cup event so he's obviously still got it in him he did get a little squirrely with the putter on the weekend as we know if you watched um on the short ones especially which was brutal like every time he had a chance to kind of really get close to the lead he missed like a four footer which was absolutely brutal but uh yeah he loves bermuda Loves Florida, loves the South. Saw fellow dog win last week. Um, I don't think it's time to uh, jump off the Kirk train just yet. Next week, tough week to win. That's a tough field. I don't think he's going to win the players, even though he's, he's played got, well there. Though he's got good history there, but um, I think he kind of try to strike here and then uh, and then maybe hop off the Kirk train next week. Yeah, you know another guy down here who's who's won in the past. Obviously, Jason Day. We've seen him pop up a couple times this year. Any interest in, in him? Yeah, I uh, our, our guy Travis Fulton may have convinced me this morning. I, I spoke with him. He's all over day, top 20. He's being priced kind of like when he was slumping. Right. And he's actually shown like some decent form recently. Right. So I actually love, there's a top 40 on him. It's minus 125. That seems kind of like a lock. Um, unbelievable history here. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think he, I think he's kind of mispriced here based off the great week at Farmers, which he's played well in historically. He had a bad week at Pebble for him. He's still finishing the top 25. So uh, I think we might see a little bit of a resurgence here from Jason Day. And um, you should probably bet him at the courses he's historically played well at. And this is one of them. So I, uh, I think I might that might be my mid-tier ad here um, today or tomorrow. Nice. Yeah, there's a lot of interesting names. I mean, I know, I think CPU were tweeting about um, our boy Cam Young being 100 to 1 again or whatever. I, th- I see him 80 here. You know, he, he finishes runner up at Riviera um, and then he has a bad third round last week. He bounces back with a 65 and finishes T16. Nobody, I mean, pretty nice backup round. And low, now score back, the, low score of the day, right? Low score of the day. He's right back at it on another Florida course. You're getting him. I mean, <clears throat> this guy could be. You know, I know we're, we, we're rooting for him. We're kind of biased, but he could be one of the top 30 players in the world by the time this year's over. I mean, you're kind of getting him still kind of way down the board here. Yeah, I'm not. I think that the concern is maybe burnout. I would not be. I think he's riding the wave. And as long as uh, he has a tee time, he's going to he's going to show up right now. So um, there's another there's a good top 40 number on him too. Uh, plus 110 to finish top 40. I think that's lockish too, like, like the day number. So um, I'm not worried. He's still young. You know, he wants to play every week. He wants to play next week, which I think Rob Bolton wrote. He's pretty much in. I think he's like the next. He's 51st right now in the world. Yeah. I think like they, they save spots for the top 10 in the FedEx cup and all the top 10 in the FedEx cup are already in. So he would be the next guy. So I think he's already in. But yeah, I think he wants to still get into the top 50. He's riding like a total heater right now, trying to get into the Masters. I'll tell you right now, if he gets in the Masters, I'm going to bet him at the Masters. I think he would. he's a great play at the Masters. Can't first be. round leader. I mean. First round leader for sure. He's yeah. going to be on the dartboard tomorrow night for sure as well. All right. um, I think you got to just ride this Cam Young wave right yeah. now. If he played well at Bahana, which is not a course set up for him, he's like a bomber, great off the tee player. That's not what you need to do at Honda. And that scorching hot Sunday, I think you got to bet him here. I did. Um, I didn't get the 100 to one. I got the 80 to one each way to it. Um, I think you're right, Myers. I mean, this might be a top 30 player in the world. Um, and again, I'm not letting my, you know, my, my thought of Cam Young, my judgment cloud, my decision-making. So, um, 
yeah, and Riviera is like a complete test of your game, obviously second there. So Cam Young, um, yeah, if we're going down in this range, I think Luke List, the disrespect is pretty insane to me. I mean, he's, I think I caught an 87, oh no, 81 to one on him. Um, and okay, you know, he's not a great Bermuda putter maybe, but besides that, I mean, he's a ball striker, has is now a winner. Luke List is a friggin' winner. Um, you know, I think he could do it. I, th- I think he could de- definitely finish top 10. Um, so that number on list just made no sense to me. So I'm on him. And then, you know, the conversation to have is about Mav McNeely and I've tossed and turned last night about it. I couldn't go to sleep. I stayed up to like 1am finger on the trigger. Do I bet Mav? Do I continue to waste my money? And now all of a sudden the number moved from 76 to 61. So obviously other people are betting them. Um, I might be out and I might, you know, be in a bad place if he, if he does win. Um, that's, I don't know. I want to do it. I haven't done Mark, it. What do you guys think? I, I mean, par five scoring, if that's a thing this week, Mav is sneaky great on par five. So I like a top 20 on Mav. Mm. Um, the car's already getting a little out of control here. And uh, yeah, he's 16th on tour in par five scoring and he's got 38 rounds, like second most out of that, uh, that group. So he's played quite a few par fives this year and been pretty good on them. So if yeah. you can pick those apart, you pick those apart this week, you may maybe mix in an Eagle and uh, a bunch of birdies. You'll, you'll be there on Sunday for sure. It's just the, his record in Florida and his record yeah. Bermuda putting, but he's been putting really well overall. So yeah, you're right. Maybe a top 20 is the way to play it. I like it. See, just need to talk this stuff out. Gotta wait. Harbor Town is where we strike. Of course. Here, of course. I think. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> Save my money for Harbor Town. Um, all right. I mean, I'm looking down the board. Some some other interesting names. I guess Kevin Kisner, 130 to one. Uh, Matthew Wolf, CP. I know you you're pumping him up. I mean, he's down. He's at 110 to one. Who knows with this guy? I mean, it's 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 crazy. He can either you know shoot a pair of 63s or barely break 90. It seems. Um, our boy Sahit Tagala, 150 to one. Uh, Ricky Fowler has had some success here, 150 to one. I mean, you know, it's a decent. Patrick Reed is 150 to one. I'm saying. I mean, what is going on with some of some of these numbers? Are there are there it's any stinky. really long? Okay. I, I would do I would do Ricky Wolf or Reed at 500 to one. Okay, <laughs> yeah. 500. That's the number. Okay, all right. One guy I I did uh, I did um, bet. Because of he's double the price he was at Riviera, and everyone was on him at Riviera. Thomas Peters is 130 to one. Yes. I think he was uh, 70 at Riviera, and everyone was on him because of the college connection yep. and whatever else. So I, I have no other analysis because he's not he doesn't have a ton of you know statistical information because he doesn't play that much on the PGA right. Tour. But uh, just betting on the, the double the price, uh, an elite player, you know, had that great Ryder Cup. Um, two wins on DP World Tour since November, so he's won recently. Um, just betting on a, a really good player at, at a great number, Thomas Peters. Sure. Interesting. Any, any other ones you want to mention, or before we get into Puerto Rico? Yeah, um, Andrew Putnam, someone that all three of us. Yes. Are on. Yep. Uh, he has some good history at Bay Hill. I don't think you want to get off that train playing some good golf. So 150 to one on mm-hmm. on Putty, I think, is a good call. Um, and then I got one for your dartboard CP. You got to throw Alex Smalley on there. Um, okay. He feels like a first round leader uh, for sure. Uh, gained a bunch of strokes off the tee and that's his game. He's really good off the tee, but he was really accurate um, at the Honda. So, you know, I think, you know, he's just got that weapon and that's huge here. I think he'd get hot for, for one round. So Smalley first round leader, I'm going to bet that. Um yeah, other than that, I think uh, saving my bullets on Puerto Rico. Wow. All I right. do love uh, I do love Steve's boy, Kokrak, top 20, plus 170, sneakily elite record at, at Arnold Palmer. And yeah. we're talking even before this little late career. You know, you go back to 2013, 2014, I think he had consecutive top 10s here. So he's always loved this place, nine trips, six top 20s three in a row, his last three in a row. Wasn't great tee to green at Riviera, but putted his way to a um, tie for 26 finish. So co-crack. And as uh, 
Fulton mentioned this morning, this could be it for him. He could be off to Saudi Arabia after, uh, after these next two weeks. You never know. Uh, I mean, we, we might never see Bryson DeChambeau again either still. I know he he committed to the tour, but who knows what's going on with him. Uh, you guys got to read. Did you read the Chris Jones piece in the next Very issue? Good. Oh, have it ready yet. So I'm good. Forward to so it. good. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I'll um, never. That's one of those that just makes me feel so inadequate about I know. what I write every day. I mean, he didn't even get a quote from Bryson, and it's one of the best things I've read all year. Wow. All right, I got to get on that right after this. Um, you know, you met, right, Alex Smalley, I looked him up, Steve, 250. Uh, right there, 250 also, Adam Svensson coming off that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Every, they were talking him up on Sunday. Who was it? Uh, they were like, oh, he might be one of the best young players. I was like, what? I mean, he's had one good tournament. But uh, anyway, 250 to one, especially first-round leader. He's really good tee to green um, at the Honda. And he's not a long player either. So, you know, he's just yeah. really hitting the driver straight and irons well. So I like yeah. it. All right, Puerto Rico, guys. Uh CP, I'll let you kick it off here. Just one bet for me, Dylan Wu. Oh, well, you got, I mean, it's. A, he talked us into it. Yeah. I can't even see the odds here. They're not even on DraftKings. I mean, where are you even seeing I mean, that boy, Kitayama's up there, like 25 to one. That seems like a really good number coming off a. Of, so what's Dylan Wu? What's Dylan Wu's odds? 40 to one on Bet365, 35 okay. to one on DraftKings. U lines up here. He played pretty well last week. Yep. Um, yeah, there's some interesting names for sure here, but I'm I'm just gonna roll, roll with our boy Dylan Wu. It's Wu, ride or die. Um, I got. I shouldn't I shouldn't say that. I got a second bet I made. Um, ben <laughs> Coley, our boy, um, convinced me on uh, Rafa Cabrera Bayo. I mean, it's oh, like you know, 2014. Yeah, 2014 <laughs> playing Rafa Cabrera Bayo to win the Puerto Rico Open, but. That's the kind of field we're at. I mean, if you look at the top, I mean, Dylan Wu is a rising star. A lot of these guys are rising stars, but not many players have actually got it done before. Rafa's been in these spots playing some good golf in Europe, as uh, Ben Coley wrote on sportinglife.com. Check that out. Um, Convince me on Rafa. I think I caught a 35 or 40 to one on Rafa. So, yeah, paying, paying close attention to Puerto Rico Open. Let's go. Wow. Well, be a very exciting week. Got uh, two tournaments monitoring very closely. Yeah, we got the European Tour is back to yeah. the magical Kenya Open. Oh, now uh, the great names in all of golf for sure. Great. Oh, LPGA is back. So, you know, you could do a little quadruple, a little lottery Ooh. ticket. Yeah, mm-hmm. I like it. CP, you got it. That's that's your round. All right, guys. Well, it was fun as always. Uh, thanks again to Dylan Wu for joining us. Thanks for listening. Please subscribe to us wherever you get your podcast. Thanks as always to our producer, Greg Gottfried. Uh, check back next week and uh, we'll see you.